0: Welcome back to the Inner Athlete. This is episode number 64. And I don't even know why I always say that, but I just feel like it's good for me to keep a mental note. Um, I'm almost at 100 episodes and I'm really excited because I still remember the day that I started this podcast. It was after talking to my business mentor at the time, I had told him that one of my things is I wanted to start a podcast and didn't feel like I was ready, didn't have the resources. And still, honestly, I kind of suck at it. (laughs) Um, I don't do anything to promote it. I just kind of put my words out there. Um, But he's like, just start it. And I did that. That first week was, I believe it was like September of 2020. And I've recorded an episode every week up until the last, I mean, six weeks or so, I've been a little bit inconsistent, but I'm really proud of myself because I'm almost at 100 episodes and I will probably be bleh, probably be recording a few more episodes a week only because I think that it might be better for me to actually not put so much emphasis into one episode and actually sprinkle it throughout the week. Uh, I tend to get off on tangents, if you haven't noticed, um, because I'm very passionate about teaching nutrition. And sometimes I think that... As a listener, it might be easier for you guys to take in one thing at a time. So today's episode, I am going to be talking about something that I felt like would be very relevant to where we are in the year Uh, is January 1st, the day that I'm recording this. And I actually did a little bit of research and I was going to start by talking about uh, really the top 10 New Year's resolutions that people tend to gravitate towards. But in fact, I decided instead... I honestly wanted to talk about the diet specifically, that, that the top diet trends of 2022, where people are going and where mindset around nutrition is going in the 2022 year, uh, especially going in, I, I would like to call it post-COVID, but it seems like right now we're in the middle of another surge. So with this new variant, um, however many variants there are now, I don't even know. Uh, by the way, I'm still not vaccinated. <laughs> so, um, but I just wanted to kind of maybe just... Give you guys some specifics on that, because I know a lot of people, one of those top ten goals that people set for the new year is weight loss related or diet related or something of a combination of the two in terms of changing our nutrition and and things like that with the goal. And I'm sorry if you hear my cat meowing. On my lap right now. He is always looking for attention, and I'm not going to stop and rerecord this. So, today's episode, guys, we're going to be diving into the top diet trends of 2022. And then I'm going to start by, or end with finishing off by talking to you guys about the common denominator amongst them all. And that will segme- segue me into another episode that will be kind of a piggyback onto this one because I wanted to kind of separate these two pieces out. So, Let's get right into it, and I'm going to pull up some notes because I do have lots of notes today because obviously different diet trends required me to do a little bit of research. So, all right, here we go. All right, so the first thing I'm going to talk about is why we choose a diet, Uh, and, and that's really, really, really important as we're going through these different dietary protocols that you really think about what it is you are looking to get out of that diet. Because as I was doing this research, what I noticed was many of these diets aren't necessarily focused on weight loss. Many of these diets are focused around improving other things, whether it be a relationship with food, whether it be blood pressure related things or uh, blood sugar related issues or you know other conditions that weight loss also becomes a side effect of. And I think that that's really important because I think that a lot of people have to understand that in order for a diet to work and for you to actually buy into it, there has to be a real reason why. And if you know that you can lose weight no matter what diet you try, then it becomes a matter of okay if your only goal is weight loss then what diet are you going to be able to sustain the longest and so it's really important to think about that as you guys are listening to these different diets and then we are going to talk a little bit about you know our approach and how i kind of feel like it was kind of cool how a lot of these diets i feel like what we do is is a little sprinkling of everything Because everything that we do is very individualized and what works for somebody isn't always going to work for the other person. And so it's, it's really kind of cool to see like the crosshairs of everything that we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to start talking the first thing that I'm going to talk about right now, because it's very hot in the fitness space and everything, and that's intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting isn't necessarily a diet in itself because you can do intermittent fasting and be eating Cheetos and French fries. You could do intermittent fasting, eating chicken and fish, you know, you can do intermittent fasting, eating a different type of diet. It just is going to put the time of day you eat to a restriction of whether it be, uh, like a 16 hour fast and an eight hour eating window. Some people go like a 20 hour fast and a four hour eating window. Some people will do five days of eating normally and then two days of fasting. It just really depends on that person. And there are some, I want to call benefits to intermittent fasting that people are looking to, you know, to, to, achieve, right? There's, there's a lot of talk about how you might, you know, see more mental clarity. You might, you know, you might see better blood sugar regulation. You might see better metabolic function, but I'm going to honestly start by telling you guys that most of these studies are either done on animals or done on men. And secondly is correlation isn't always causation. So these improvements that we're seeing aren't necessarily caused by the dietary protocol or the the fasting protocol. It could actually be um, just caused by the fact that that person is controlling calorie intake. Because when it comes down to it all, and it comes down to the weight loss perspective of intermittent fasting and why that tends to be something that people look for is that when it comes to weight loss, the only thing that intermittent fasting has to do with weight loss is that it restricts your eating window So we are, you are also likely to eat less. Okay. So if I'm only eating for four hours a day, there's only so much food that I can fit into that four hours. Now, this also goes into you actually identifying what kind of person are you? I do not think intermittent fasting is a great protocol for people that have a hard time practicing self control around food. So if you know that you're somebody that can overeat very easily, I don't think intermittent fasting is going to work for you because I think that it's going to tend to make you really, really hungry. And it's not likely that you're going to be able to restrict your calories as much as you would like to in that short, uh, short eating window. So for instance, for me, I could easily eat two to 3,000 calories if I wanted to in a two-hour window. I know that. I could very easily smash a burger and fries and then an hour later have ice cream and I would definitely be at twenty-five or 2,700 calories. Now, obviously, you're probably not smashing a burger and fries and ice cream, but I'm just showing you that it is easy to overeat even in a short period of time if binge eating is something that you struggle with. The other thing that I wouldn't recommend or the other people that I would not recommend intermittent fasting for, believe it or not, is women. Women tend to be higher stressed by nature. We have a lot more sensitivity in our hormone profiles. So intermittent fasting can actually increase cortisol levels rather than decreasing them. And this can make it really difficult for women as well. Um, they might see a lot of mood fluctuations and other things. So it's not really recommended for women, nor is it studied on women. The other population that's kind of hit or miss, um, because I do know that people like Rich Froning, they they kind of they talk about intermittent fasting being what's really helped them. Uh, once again, is it the calorie control and that kinds of stuff, or is it the actual intermittent fasting protocol? Um, but athletes, athletes need to be careful with this protocol. And I will say this: people like Rich Froning, other other athletes that do practice intermittent fasting, they are taking in intra-workout foods. They are practicing intermittent fasting with. I want to say a little bit of uh, flexibility in that intra-workout they're getting, they, they might not be eating solid foods, but they're taking in calories from like liquid carbs and aminos and protein shakes and things like that. So they might not actually be eating, but they're still taking in calories. So technically their body does see that as food. So I don't really necessarily think that they're doing intermittent fasting. They're just calling it fasting because they're not technically sitting down and eating a meal. So intermittent fasting is, is the first one I want to talk about. And I'm honestly going to be going through 15 of these today, but I'm not going to be going through them all in as much depth as I am intermittent fasting. The reason I really broke that one down is because it's really a hot topic for a lot of people. The next hot topic, uh, diet that I'm going to talk about, the next diet trend is keto and keto has been around now for a few years and its popularity has grown. And then also kind of dwindled down a little bit, um, as other diets have come onto the market but it still reigns pretty high on people's list of things to try to lose weight. Um a couple of the things that people will say happens with keto is they have less inflammation, that they are more clear-headed, they don't get hungry all the time, they don't get cravings, uh they don't look for carbs anymore. Um you know, but in reality, once again, are all of those things um because of the calorie restriction or is it because of the ketogenic Nature of the restriction. I'm gonna be honest with you. Most people are actually not even in keto. You know, I've I've had several clients who thought they were in keto and they were totally tracking carbs wrong. You know, because most people aren't doing it right, anyways. Um, you know, you can kind of call this low carb as well, but. Basically what a keto does, a ketogenic diet does is most balanced diets for most people should be getting somewhere in between 200 and 300 grams of carbs a day, depending on the person and their lifestyle. With keto, these people can be sunken down to as low as 20 to 30 carbs a day. Uh, and there there was even a spinoff of this that I saw when I was researching called like the sugar, the sugar something diet, where you actually limit your carbs down to where they're getting no more than four grams of net carbs a day. This is also something that can be very stressful on the body, can also increase cortisol levels and make it really, really hard for a person to stick to this long-term. This diet is not sustainable for people who like to eat carbohydrates. Um, And I don't want to say that it's not effective, but the, the benefits of it really don't outweigh the downsides of it very few people actually need to follow a ketogenic diet. And so with that being said, the people that might really thrive in a ketogenic diet are people that deal with things like insulin resistance, um, or other blood sugar related issues. Whereas those people, the goal shouldn't be to live a keto lifestyle for the rest of their life. The goal should be to lower carbohydrate intake increase activity levels, and then hopefully bring insulin sensitivity up and then slowly bring carbohydrate loading back up to get them into a a balanced diet. Because at the end of the day, ketogenic diets are often very limited in the types of nutrients we can take in. You know, Most people are gravitating towards meats and cheeses and things like that. They're not getting a lot of whole foods, fresh veggies and stuff like that. It limits the amount of carbohydrates and fruit that you're going to be eating. And as you're going to see, as I go down this list, that- For a lot of people that have other benefits of dieting or people looking for other benefits of their diet, keto does the exact opposite of that because it really limits the amount of nutrients we can take in. So I'm not a proponent for the ketogenic diet. I am a proponent that sometimes when I have a client who is really stubborn with fat loss, they have a very sedentary life, I may have to bring them into a ketogenic um, phase for a little while, but I'm not even going to call it keto. I'm going to honestly call it more like a low-carb. Uh, with the goal being like, hey, let's get you moving more, let's get you more insulin sensitive, and then we'll be able to bring carbohydrates back up. I think the the real pull to a ketogenic diet is the simplicity, right? In the beginning, people tend to lose fat pretty quickly because, well, we lose weight pretty quickly, not necessarily fat, because you're literally eliminating an entire source of calories. So just like intermittent fasting, limit your calories by limiting. The time you can eat, keto limits your calories by limiting the amounts or the types of foods you can eat. So if I had the choices of protein, carbs, and fats to get my calories from, and I take out one of those columns, now I'm limited by the types of calories I can get or the amount of calories I get. The problem is, and where people run into an issue, is that they stop thinking about why why am I no longer losing weight? Their body's adapted. They're no longer getting that you know, glycogen depletion from not having carbs anymore and the weight loss slows down. And that's where calorie control comes in play. So just like intermittent fasting, we have to count the calories. So if you are looking at the low carb lifestyle, like, Hey, this might be the way that I want to go. Um, you know, maybe you do have some, I don't want to call it like trigger foods, but that's exactly what I want to say. Some people just tend to say like, Hey, I really cannot eat carbohydrates, which I'm going to honestly say It's not carbohydrates those people have a hard time practicing control over. It's highly palatable foods, which are two very different things. So here's the difference. If you're craving carbs, if I put a bowl of brown rice in front of you with nothing on it, you would eat it. If you're craving highly palatable foods, those often have a combination of carbs, fats, and sugar or carbs, fats, and salts. That's going to be things like tortilla chips and guac, uh, French fries, um, cakes and cookies, all of those things. Those are not carb foods. Those are highly palatable foods and they're combination foods. They contain a mixture of carbs, fats, and proteins. So when you're looking at what you need to eliminate from your diet, it's often not carbohydrates. In fact, including carbohydrates can make you less likely to crave those foods because you're getting enough nutrients. Whenever we're getting a craving, it isn't always a mental thing. Sometimes it actually is a physical need for something. And those foods are very energy dense. Our body's going to want them more. If you're getting enough carbohydrates, you're likely not going to be craving those things as much. So a little bit of a tangent, but the ketogenic diet is one that really uh, can kind of take me off on that tangent. Like I said, I'm going to separate this out because the second piece of this is going to bring you guys a ton of value into how to actually set yourself up for success in the new year, whatever dietary protocol you are looking to start. So another diet that is, I want to call it similar to keto, but I honestly think it is a better method if you are looking to kind of work on eliminating highly palatable foods, eating a little bit healthier, because it does really focus on Nutrient density. And I will talk a little bit about the downsides of this diet, but it's the Paleo diet. Uh, The Paleo diet was one of the first diets that I tried when I first got into CrossFit. I've done the whole 30 a few times. And there are some missing links in the Paleo diet. But if I was going to recommend any dietary protocol to anybody, that was looking to really change the way they eat, I would have them gravitate a little bit more towards a paleo diet with a few additions to it. Um, I like it as a base. I like to call the paleo foundation kind of the base of what we teach at Fit Body Rx because it does really focus on eating a lot of lean proteins, veggies, fruits, starchy carbs from things like sweet potatoes and, and root vegetables but it does also limit the types of foods you can eat. And if you are pure paleo, you're also watching out for a lot of food additives and you're not eating uh, grains, not eating legumes, no dairy, uh, very little preservatives, really trying to mimic what our hunter-gatherers ate. And that can be very difficult in the modern day world. Now, if you use the paleo diet as a base and a foundation, it makes it really easy for people who do have to eat on the go a lot because you know, maybe deli turkey isn't what our ancestors would have eaten, but it is a better choice that I'm going to get this like quesadilla explosion taco from Taco Bell. (laughs) Like it makes it easier for people to like pinpoint what is the purest foods that I can get where I'm at. And that can be a great way to kind of ensure that you are getting in mostly whole foods or the paleo diet doesn't work well for weight loss is that it does not have any kind of calorie control. And even though we are limiting foods, uh, from, you know, obviously we're not eating any grains, dairy or uh, preservative foods, there is no calorie limits. And a lot of these healthy foods are also high in calories. So I always like to say, um, uh, healthy isn't always diet friendly and diet friendly isn't always healthy because a lot of these health foods like avocados nuts seeds oils are very high in calories so if you are looking for a a better base for your nutrition i think the paleo is a good place to stay, start but i do think that you need to kind of obviously watch calorie control if if weight loss is your goal and also like paying attention to you know the foods that you like and enjoy um you know you should be able to still in, incorporate things like like for a lot of people, they don't have any sensitivity to dairy. Dairy is a very healthy source of protein, uh, and can add some variety and some different, you know, substance to your, to your diet. Grains and legumes can also be a part of any healthy diet. Um, as long as you don't have any kind of a celiac or Crohn's or things like that, where you might have to watch gluten, um, or even other uh, autoimmune conditions, but it is a really good place to start. All right. Now we're going to keep going down. So, so, so far I've covered intermittent fasting, paleo and keto. The next diet I'm going to talk about today is the volumetrics diet. Okay. So the volumetrics diet preaches a lot of high volume foods with very low calories. Um, so the goal with this is to increase nutrient intake while we decrease the amount of calories we're taking in. Once again, we're controlling calories, but this one does Really, have you guys focusing on more whole foods, uh, more nutrient dense foods. So, you probably are going to be getting in more calories from things that are actually going to bring your body substance. Uh, You know, with these diets, though, you know, they are often very low in fat. So, once again, we're kind of running into this issue of like, are we going to be causing other nutrient deficiencies? Uh, But it does actually help calorie control be a little bit more manageable because a lot of the foods that we're eating are higher in volume. So we feel full for longer. So it can actually make us feel more satisfied, you know, and, and this is a part, you know, going into my fit body program. Like I, I do use volume as a component of our diets, because I do know that when people are in a calorie deficit, they are going to be hungry. So a lot of times when people are lowering calories, I'm like, Hey, if you bump up these foods, you will be more satisfied. And that might be including more salads at lunchtime, uh, larger portions of veggies and proteins at dinner and then finding carbs that aren't so highly palatable that maybe are single ingredient that we can eat more of and we can add flavor to. So I'm a big proponent for, you know, salting your foods, adding flavor, adding seasonings and herbs, and then adding a couple of your favorite sauces. I always have sauces on hand that I can use to kind of flavor things up that have very low calories. Another eating protocol that was on the hot list for 2022 is intuitive eating. And I fucking hate intuitive eating. Let me be completely honest with you guys. This gets me off on a tangent. It is something that I really thrive for that all of our clients graduate with a better understanding of what their bodies need, but we are so influenced by the bullshit on social media, even listening to all these diets that I'm talking about, that intermittent or intuitive eating is so hard. How is it intuitive to force yourself to eat in a four to six hour window? How is it intuitive to be at a restaurant and be looking for a paleo source of food? How is it intuitive to limit your carbohydrates? I'm saying this because I get the gravitation and that's why they're saying that this intuitive eating is the right thing. But for a lot of people, they see intuitive eating as eating whatever they want. I intuitively am craving a donut. So I'm going to have a donut for breakfast. And that is not what the principles of intuitive eating teach. So it's really important that application is there. I do believe that when we work with clients and we take them through the protocols of finding the right foods to eat and balancing the amount of calories they're getting in and all those things, that they are more intuitively going to choose the things that they need to hit those calorie needs and the nutrient needs. But it's not necessarily intuitive eating. Like There are going to be days where they're like, I actually want to have that, that, that is intuitive, right? If we were just going on intuitive eating, like I said, too many people are influenced by the crap that they hear the good versus bad. And it, and these are the principles of it is like, you know, restricting foods is making us fatter, no good or bad foods because you know, that's creating this bad relationship with food. Um, but people just tend to really misuse it. And so I don't really think it's a great protocol for anybody trying to increase awareness of what they should be eating and and also allowing themselves to eat the things that they shouldn't be. I think a better method is getting people to understand and trust themselves first by giving them the structure that they need to be able to be more intuitive. So the goal, honestly, I, I feel like intuitive eating isn't really a dietary practice. It is something that is earned. From a diet. So from really dialing in your nutrition and getting a better understanding of your body's needs, we can become more intuitive, but I don't think it is a good protocol for somebody to use to either lose weight or whatever, develop a healthy relationship with food. At the end of the day, it's probably not going to create very good um, results. And so it's honestly going to only probably lead you to want to try another diet. So just saying. So going into a couple more of the uh, extremes now is there were a couple of really weird diets that I found that have been kind of hot for the 2022 season. One of them is called the mayor diet, M-A-Y-R. And I'm probably butchering that name. It is based off somebody's last name. Um, And this is more of a protocol that is actually, there's actually like facilities that people go to and it's like really expensive where they kind of like get overhauled on everything. There's like medication intervention and I forget her name, but there is some famous singer that is making this famous right now, not Adele, but Adele does have another diet on the list that I'm going to talk about. Uh, and the goal with this one is like, it's eliminating a lot of like the trigger foods, um, and really promoting like those high alkaline foods, high nutrient rich foods. There's a, like a lot, there's four pillars of it, exercise, nutrition, uh, medicine, and awareness. So they want you really focusing on being mindful when you eat, chewing your food 40 to 60 times, no snacking at all it starts with the sugar and caffeine detox. It's, it's very strict, rigid. And like I said, uh, it does require for like the full experience, either to buy their program or to go to their facility. And neither of those should really be necessary for a person to change their nutrition habits. If, if you have to go to these extremes, then you likely have bigger picture problems than your nutrition. So the goal really should be to find something that you can do at home in your current situation even if that does mean doing the uncomfortable thing, like starting the day before with making a plan, you know, nutritionally for your day, which is really the biggest problem that people have anyways in nutrition. So now I'm going to kind of go from the opposite of a lot of these diets. Oh, I'm sorry. I have one more on this list here, which is the myoclinic diet. Um, this is kind of similar to the M-A-Y-R, Mayer diet, um, but it's a little bit more, it's a little bit less extreme. It's something that you can do at home once again, I think this is very much like what we teach, um, but it's like lifestyle based. So it's portion control, better food choices, better movement choices and things like that. Um, you know, I just think the biggest thing with all of these is that all of these protocols are just, if, why do we have to have so much? Like, why does a diet have to have a name? And that's really what this is getting me on this tangent of like, why, why do we have to name it? like how is the myo clinic diet really any different from the paleo diet? Can I just eat paleo and and work on portion control and food choices? Like, you know, can I just do the Meyer diet and be keto? Like it, it just it doesn't make any sense that people have to really name things. Now, on the flip side of these diets, because a lot of these diets, well, I should say these, these first ones I talked about are really geared towards, I think the overarching, you know, pull to them is weight loss. There are a category of diets that weight loss can be a component of, but they're actually focused on something bigger, that there's another reason for the diet, uh, whether it's, you know, immune, you know, with paleo, I guess it's kind of like that, but more of like a an immune, autoimmune condition or inflammation factors, um, you know, brain cognition. And so there's a list of these that I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna kinda go through these pretty quickly um, because I think that. This is really not what people want to hear about, but I I know that you guys should hear about it because it it is also kind of cool. Um, one of them is the immune boosting diet. And I put quotations in my hands right now, if you could see me, because this is obviously because the pull from COVID, right? Everybody's getting sick and we're looking for ways to like make ourselves better. And the this diet pushes a lot of high protein. Uh, because low protein consumption was uh, linked to higher rates of COVID-19. Um, it pushes foods high in A, C, and D, and obviously eliminates a lot of those inflammatory foods or foods that are going to trigger any kind of an immune response. Um, but once again, why can't just eating better, more whole foods and less processed foods and less of those highly palatable foods create that immune boost? Why can't those things happen? Why do we have to call it a diet? You know, Because people are buying A diet, because a diet is supposed to be the solution, right? The next one on this list is the Mind Diet, and this is a diet focused around improving your cognitive brain function. It focuses on more plant based and less lower sodium, because high sodium foods um, and I guess a lot of red meats are linked to a decrease in cognitive function. And by reducing the reducing our sodium intake, we can also reduce our risk of Alzheimer's disease. It's eating a lot of fruits, vegetables, legumes, healthy fats, and oils. By the way, once again, I know I'm not I'm not plugging the paleo diet because you guys all know how I feel about it, but a lot of those foods are also on that, which is why we use it as a foundation. The real thing about these, like the mind diet and a couple of the other ones I'm gonna talk about here is you know, especially plant-based. Cause I, I'm going to go down and I'm just going to talk about these real quickly before I get on this tangent. It's like, you've got plant-based diets, like, like the vegan diet, which is no animal products. You've got pescatarian, which is going to be your vegetarian diet plus seafood. You got flexitarian, which is like, you know, it's pro plant-based, but it allows for some animal proteins. You've got plant-based, which is similar to that. It just, you know, it's, it's just all these like different things, right. Along with this mind diet is the problem with a lot of these plant-based diets or these ones in particular that are pushing the removal of animal proteins and the increase of um a lot of like non-animal sources of protein and more plants is that plant-based is not always healthy. So I would like to say that my diet is plant-based, meaning the bulk of my foods come from plant sources. So even my oatmeal is a grain, you know, oats, kale, My my lunch and my dinner are primarily plant based, and the foods that I eat throughout the day, I try and really mimic things that are I got I want to call them more like, in their natural source. However, I'm also not eating plant based foods because that's what the problem really is. These diets is that these people that are following vegetarian diets and stuff like that, they tend to eat a lot of soy products. A lot of processed meat substitutes that are often high in saturated fats, often high in sodium, often high in other preservatives. And if we're looking at the conflicting issues with all these different diets, it ends up going against what some of these other diets promote. And it's the same thing with clean eating that oftentimes clean eating can put people at risk for nutrient deficiencies. So, and if you are doing plant based and you're not tracking calories or watching your nutrient intake, you might be deficient in protein. So, it's going to create a whole other issue. That's why. You know, I'm not a huge proponent for those things. Now, I will say that there are a lot of studies that show that a lot of people that follow a plant-based diet can be more uh, successful long-term with maintaining or sustaining that dietary protocol because they have other motivating factors outside of weight loss. It doesn't mean that they're going to be more successful with weight loss. It just means they're going to be more likely to follow that diet long-term because they have other moral ethical issues that create a reason for them to follow that dietary protocol. So, um, and my, my freaking thing just got cut off and I had to start recording all over again, but it's all good. I'm, I got a little sidetracked. It's all good. Maybe I just need a little intermission. So that's my little talk on a lot of the different, um, plant-based kind of focused diets and all that kinds of stuff. Now I'm going to go into a couple of diets that are similar to paleo in that, They are going to be that like whole food based. Um, They might have a couple of other foods included in them, uh, which is like the Mediterranean diet and the Nordic diet. They push a lot of food balance. They push a lot of whole foods, lean proteins, healthy vats, lots of veggies and things like that. Uh, But once again, if you're looking to lose weight, which a lot of you guys out there are looking to honestly either perform better or lean out, um, that these diets also need that component of calorie control. All right. Um, The last slide I'm going to talk about that is more from like a health-focused one is going to be the DASH diet. This is another diet that's on there, kind of similar to, I want to call it similar to like the MIND diet where that one, you know, is watching your salt intake because it's, you know, hopefully for cognitive dysfunction. Um, With the DASH diet, they're looking to control blood pressure by limiting your saturated fat intake and um, obviously trying to keep your blood pressure in check. So also going to be a lower sodium, lower processed food diet. Uh, for these diets to be effective with weight loss, once again, you have to have that calorie component to it, which is the next piece that I'm going to talk about is going to be a lot of your calorie control based diets that maybe there are some proponents of food quality, but they kind of go on the opposite end of things. And these are the ones that a lot of people are going to gravitate, gravitate towards because they seem to look easier in application. First one is going to be Weight Watchers, and I feel like I should have saved that one for last because I'll be honest, of all of the calorie portion control-based programs, I actually do think Weight Watchers is a pretty good program, uh, and I'm not promoting it. Um, I'm in no way affiliated with it, but I do think that it has some some things that I really like about it. Uh, They're food tracking, so they do they do obviously track food because they want people keeping a food diary. They have a point system system that they use. So the only problem I have with that is it doesn't really teach people what they're actually eating. They're just eating by like a color system or a point system rather than like, okay, well, how much protein am I actually getting from this three ounce piece of chicken? Um, but I really like with it is that there is accountability. Some of the downsides of Weight Watchers though is I don't want to say that their dietitians and their nutritionists aren't qualified because they are. But I don't think it's individualized as much as it should be. And these dietary protocols are often super low calorie because they want people to get quick results. And that problem with that is it makes it very hard to sustain long term. So people will often see a very quick drop in weight and then it kind of plateaus, they lose motivation and they abandon ship. And I think that this is where the accountability isn't enough, uh, nor is the coaching enough because they're not getting, okay, well, why is this person plateaued? Do they actually need to bring calories up? Do they need to be moving more? Did we drop their calories too much? There's not enough of that involved in it. So it's kind of like how I feel about Beach Body too. Whereas I think Beach Body is a great thing to get people moving and all that kinds of stuff, but it's it's not real coaching. It's it's honestly a lot of cheerleading and not a lot of actual coaching on what those people need. Another one similar to Weight Watchers is going to be Noom. Noom is an online app that you can download and there is a food tracking and habit tracking um, and it is based on calorie control. Once again, I don't think that the adjustments on the calories are very individualized. I think it's more general, which can be totally fine for a lot of people. I think you can be very successful if you can be compliant with that, but a lot of people can't. A lot of times the calories are very low. People are getting hungry. People are losing motivation and And that's honestly when dishonesty becomes a factor and it's not necessarily that the person isn't being compliant. I mean, they're not being compliant, but they're hiding. They're hiding the fact that they're like, I'm hungry and I'm not going to log this extra couple of bites of chicken that I had, or I'm not going to log the cookie that I ate. I'm not going to log those things because I'm hungry and I don't want them to see that. And that can become an issue because if you're eating calories that aren't being tracked, then you're not going to be getting the results that you want to see. And then the last one here that I want to talk about is the system, which is uh, calorie controlled, but it's calorie controlled in meals. And I do get a lot of clients ask me like, do you think I should just like hire a meal prep company? And yes, meal prep companies can be super like easy, right? You don't have to think about it. They're just putting food in your cart and you're eating it and it's hitting your calories. But at some point you're going to have to be able to prep for yourself. So, do I think it's okay every once in a while to, you know, a busy time in your life, you want to, you know, rely on a meal prep company, that's great. But if if you're literally never going to teach yourself how to how to prep for yourself, what are you actually learning? You know, and it's where all of these different diets, I think you can pull something good from all of them, but you can also pull a lot of bad from all of them. And I think that that's why I've kind of what I started with saying today is I, I really wanted people to have a system that kind of took the best pieces of everything and put it together and they can actually apply it in a way that's very customized to them, you know, because not everybody should be on a low carb diet, but some people might enjoy a low carb diet better. They might be more compliant that way. You know, maybe some people really need to get, you know, eat more carbs and, and be really diligent about like, you know, carbs post-workout, whereas others don't really need that. It's, It's so much that can be individualized for a person that I thought it would be really cool to kind of look at the different types of diets out there. And I didn't even go into some of the more extremes that I found, like something called the I'm probably going to butcher this the cert food diet, which is basically like something that this is the one that I was talking about Adele uses, uh, where it's promoting foods that are really high in certuins. I'm probably saying that wrong. But Um, And that's supposed to be effective at obviously like doing the stuff that we want, which is lowering inflammation, kickstarting your metabolism, yada, 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 reversing aging. But in reality, it even mentions skinny gene pathways. Um, In reality, all of these tests are done on animals and it's once again, is it the calorie restriction or is it the diet and the sirtuins that are doing that? So I really think it's important to educate your guys' self a little bit. And that's what I wanted to do. And I know I kind of went through all of these dietary protocols very quickly, but as you've probably heard, a lot of them have similarities in that, you know, a lot of the health focused ones are really pushing whole foods, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of lean proteins. Um, unless you're doing the pescatarian vegetarian route, which are still pushing a lot of plant-based foods with the elimination of those. Um, or it's that diet and that's calorie control. And when it comes to weight loss, calorie control is what we need. So how can we get a person to be, compliant and consistent with controlling calorie intake in a fashion that puts them in a slight calorie deficit to allow them to see the results they want to see long-term. Because like I mentioned with like the keto diet, where they might see a quick drop in weight in the first week or so, or maybe even two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, that weight typically is going to start to slow down a lot. And that becomes the pure fat loss. If a person is losing one to two pounds a week, sometimes even only half a pound a week, that is consistent weight loss. If a person's dropping, you know, I'm sorry, fat loss. If a person's dropping more than that, it's likely not fat loss. It's likely other things. And yes, there are other things that we do want to lose. So when we become inflamed, we are puffy. We want to get rid of that inflammation. So that's where like those in like low inflammatory foods are going to be great, you know, really fighting off that inflammation when we're bloated and our digestion's not working right you know, improving our gut health is going to help us feel lighter and better. That is weight that we need to lose, but it's not necessarily fat. It's just changing other components of our weight. So as I told you, it's going to be part one. Uh, I'm going to record part two, which is going to talk to you guys a little bit more about how to one, honestly, how to pick a diet and two, how to actually set yourself up for success and what you need to be doing to create a calorie deficit how to do all those things. And that's going to be the next episode. So until then guys, if you got some value out of this episode, if you liked listening to me talk or rant about all these different diets or you didn't let me know, shoot me a message, shoot me a DM. Um, if you are following my podcast, awesome. If you can share it with more people, like I said, I suck at promoting myself. Um, but I would love to get more people on my podcast and be also, be, uh, be able to, uh, interact with me. So there's going to be a couple of links in the show notes, I am doing a seminar in a couple of weeks and I would love to have more people involved in that. It is a webinar, so you'll be able to come virtually uh, or you will be able to come live. That is going to be an option for those of you guys that are in the Port St. Lucie, Stewart, Jensen Beach, Palm City, uh, Fort Pierce area. But if not, join me virtually. That will also be an option for you. So that's it, guys. Happy New Year. Have an amazing day. Have an amazing week. And until next time, see you later.